If you're like me, the world is a huge place and you get it all confused geographically. For example, do you know where Yugoslavia is? Or you might know. Uh, do you know exactly where France is? You just know my all. What, what country can I name that you don't know? Romania, okay. Um, when it comes to Africa, people say, oh yeah, Africa, it's over there somewhere. Well, I want to give you a better feel for where it is and where we have worked. Um, just a little bit of history before I do that. Janet and I were raised here in Northeast Arkansas. I'm from Pocahontas. For all you Pocahontas people out there, I know there's some. Uh, Janet was raised in Paragould. We met in the fifth grade at Crowley's Ridge Academy. Started dating in the 10th grade, went to Crowley's Ridge College, got married after our junior year at Harding. Um, from the time we were youth, our desire was to go to Africa and be missionaries. I think that was probably instilled in us from people from CRA, but also from our godly parents, and also from other visitors who might have come through, who would have encouraged us in that. So we joined a group of three other families at Harding who wanted to go to Africa. So that's a brief bit of our history. In 1972, July the 10th, Janet and I landed in Uganda, Africa, having never set foot in Africa before in our lives, and we were going there to live. We thought, maybe five years, then we get to go home. You know, that's kind of in our minds. Well, we'll give five years, that sounds like an awful long time for a young person, you know. Well, at the end of five years, we were only getting started, but that's the rest of the story. So let me go back and talk to you about Africa just a little bit. Um, you know, here we are somewhere right there in Arkansas. We usually fly over the top, come down into East Africa, which is there. That's the equator running through. I show you all that just to give you an idea of where it is. Africa is a huge continent. They say, and I suppose it's right, the continental United States will fit at least three times in Africa. Here you see China. You see, uh, I can't read that very well. Y'all probably can't either. Uh, that's India, uh, France, Spain, Portugal, Switzerland. Uh, what is that? Eastern Europe. Down here is Japan. You see all the countries that will fit in here. Here is the UK, fits over Madagascar. All I'm trying to say there is Africa is a huge place. From north to south, I don't know exactly how many miles it is, but it's big. But I'll give you an indication of how big it is. Our daughter lives just about right there in Mozambique. From there to southern Mozambique is 2,000 miles. That's a big place. When we first went to Africa, we moved to Uganda, Africa, which is there. The equator runs right across Uganda and Kenya here. So we were in Uganda, and then we went to Kenya, and now we live in Tanzania. For a short time, we lived down here in Swaziland. Actually, it was five years. We were in Swaziland teaching down there at the Africa Christian College. But now I want to go back 
and take you to Uganda. This is the first country where we intended to live. We landed in Entebbe in July of 1972, and our team was planning to go to Fort Portal, this area out here, and work in the Ruizori Mountains, mountains with the Bukonjo people. Some of you older people will remember Idi Amin. He was the ruler of that country at that time. He only accepted Muslims, Catholics, and Church of Uganda. If you weren't th any, in any of those three, you had to leave. We didn't, never were given papers to be there, so we had to flee, and we flew over into Kenya. Uh, the work went on in, in Uganda, and there's a strong work still there today. As a matter of fact, I'll show you a little bit later, in northern, uh, northwestern Uganda, we, we visit there quite a bit in the ministry that we're doing. Um, back to the map, because I just want to keep you abreast of where you are. So we came into Uganda, then we went to Kenya. Here's Kenya. Uh, in Kenya, we first moved into the capital city, which is Nairobi. We didn't know where we were going. We were like refugees there because we had intended to live in Uganda, and here we are in Kenya. We prayed and we looked all over Kenya, and we asked God, please direct us. We ended up going out here to this town called Kericho that area. And we worked with a people called the Kipsigis. We were there from 1973 until 1990. When we went there, there were no churches of Christ in that area. And when we left, there were 130. And now there is many, today there are as many as 500 congregations there. And they're, they're expanding all the time and growing. And I'll tell you more about that growth in just a moment. Um, Part of our work in, in, in Kenya was with the Kipsigis. We were there 17 years. But then in 1990, another team came in to replace us, and we moved to an area called Mount, Kenya, Mount Elgon, which is right on the uh, Kenya-Uganda border. It was the smallest of the tribes that we were working with. We knew their language, partly. We had to learn more than half, again, of the language in order to speak to them. This is one of the leaders of that group. He was a poor farmer when we knew him, and he's developed into a wonderful church leader. I wish we had hundreds of him. His whole life is about Jesus and about starting churches and helping churches. And uh, what an encouragement he is to us and to the people there on that mountain. He owns a little photocopy store and a computer store with ancient um, computers, but he makes a living, and every spare minute he gets, he's, he's out preaching. Back to Africa, okay? I'm going through this quickly because I know I don't have a lot of time. Uganda, Kenya, we worked among the Kipsigis and then up further north here uh, in, on Mount Elgon. And uh, we worked there for 16 years, working with the uh, Sabaot tribe of people, and started many churches there. They had a lot of conflicts in their area, tribal clashes. And just after we left in 2006, um, there was devastation all through that area, that many churches were burned, schools were burned, towns were burned, houses were burned, hundreds were killed. But now the church has regrouped and is 
is, is strong again. But here we are now in Tanzania. You'll see up here, Kenya. I'm trying to keep you abreast. You see just the tip of Uganda here. We came over into Kenya and worked there for 35 years, from 1973 to 2000, or, or, 2006. We were in Kenya. And then we moved to Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, which is the capital, or was the capital at that time. And our purpose was to begin a new ministry of marriage and family. Janet had been working with a lot of ladies and saw the, the problems that families were having. And so she said, we've got to do something to help these families. And so we began a marriage and family ministry. And we wanted to move down to Salaam because even though it's on the coast, the Indian Ocean is here, um, it was quite a bit further south in Kenya so that we could go over into Malawi and Zambia and countries south, Zimbabwe and other countries. And so we, we based out of there. And then after three years there, that school down in Swaziland that I showed you earlier, way down south, uh, invited us or requested that we go and help them in their college because we both have master's degrees. I'm a master's in Bible and she's a master's in marriage and family. And we could go down and help them. And so we went down to help them, but we had um, an interesting situation because every student that came to that college for three years had to bring their mate with them. So if it, a, if it was a guy, he had to come with his wife. And so we had couples there from 10 different countries in Africa that we could train in marriage and family, send back to their home areas to teach marriage and family in their home areas. Um, so we moved there and then um, after three years, moved down to Swaziland, way down here, and then back up, but we moved to Arusha. Uh, there was a little school just outside of Arusha, and I think I have a picture here that I'll show you. Yeah, oh, I don't have it all on there. The Alpha Omega Secondary School. We worked there for six years teaching in that school. An interesting school is a Christian school started by a doctor uh, from Florence, Alabama, but they needed somebody to help them get that school going. Janet had been working a lot in schools in Kenya, and so she volunteered to be the, the uh, principal of the school and get it started. And so we were there for six years. Students came there from every background, including Muslim students, pagan students. We had all kinds, but we taught them. I was in charge of spiritual development, and so I taught all the Bible classes. Janet taught English, and then together we taught them uh, in various classes of uh, how to make right choices. We had them in our homes to teach small groups, and so we had a wonderful ministry as, of there, there as well. And then the thing that we're, we're involved in in Tanzania was working with the Datog tribe of Tanzania. Sorry, that got cut off there in the slide some way. The Datoga people were similar to the people we'd been working with in Kenya, and you, up in Kenya, the Kipsigis and the Sabaot. They were a lost tribe of that, of that group. But uh, they moved down to Tanzania probably centuries ago. Their language is almost completely different. Their customs are somewhat the same, but uh, like the Kipsigis were 100, 100 years ago or so. But uh, completely uh, 
without Christ. And so an effort was made from the churches in Kenya to choose one of their own families to send down to the Datog people to teach them the Word of God. So they raised money, they formed a mission committee, and they sent this couple down there that have been going now for the past five years or so. They baptized now more than 100 people, started several small groups of believers, and so things are, 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 are good there. Um, here's another picture, shows one of the houses where they live. They, they live in these uh, stick houses with mud uh, walls and then a flat grass cow dung mud roof. And uh, here you see some of the people in their dress. This is me standing there with one of our grandsons who came to visit us just this year. I don't know where I need to point this to, there we go. Um, but I want to tell you more about our marriage and family ministry because we are there now and we consider this to be a very, very important ministry. For 34, 35 years actually, we were involved in church planting and training of leaders. That was our primary focus. And then for the past several years, we've been involved in marriage and family ministry because we believe that strong marriages make strong churches. If we can help the evangelists to have strong families that love each other, then they can teach their members to have strong families and strong churches reproduce better and they grow better. And so indirectly, we're involved in evangelism. And of course, then with the Datog people that I mentioned earlier, we go out to evangelize them. So we're still involved in evangelism, but our main focus these days is marriage and family ministry. And we meet in many, many countries. We have taught marriage and family in 20 African countries, from uh, southern Sudan down through Kenya, Uganda, uh, Rwanda, Burundi, Tanzania, Madagascar, Zimbabwe, Zambia, Malawi, South Africa, Swaziland, Lesotho, Nigeria, Ghana, what have I forgotten? Namibia, uh, anyway, 20 countries, and we hope to go into the Congo this year and uh, other places, but uh, we consider this to be a very, very important ministry. We're happy that we can do that. Um, one of the things we've done is, I don't know if you could read the red light letters there or not, it is uh, Africa Institute of Marriage and Family. This is a Southern Africa team. There's actually seven different families, but this picture was taken this year and because of COVID restrictions and other things, they couldn't come, all of them. But we have families that are from Zambia, Malawi, Zimbabwe, and uh, Botswana, who come that we meet together. We've worked with them for many years, so we, we train them, still train them. They go back to their countries, form other teams, and continue to, to teach marriage and family. That's the Southern Africa group, and here's the East African group. Um, the ones on the left is our daughter, Martha. She's our third child. She and her husband, Jeremy, live in North Mozambique. And uh, they've been there 18 years and doing a wonderful work there among the Makua people. These people are from Mount Elgon. These are from Kipsigis that I mentioned earlier, and so are these. Uh, this couple is from another area in Kenya. 
and this couple are us. So this has been a wonderful chance to reach out through these couples as they go back to their areas to train other people and teach other people in marriage. Mind, Africa is not like America. They don't have a lot of access to seminars on marriage or books in their languages that they can use. They don't have access to good teaching on marriage and home. And so they really are eager and hunger, hungry for whatever we can teach them. And so that's why we feel so keen about doing this ministry among these peoples. And we're hoping that this is going to mushroom into many more families so that uh, many more people can learn. I've written four books that pertain to marriage and family. They're all for the African audience, but they're being used and even translated into other languages. I just got a call this past week of some people in Angola, missionary there, who wants to translate our work, our books, into Portuguese, African Portuguese, so that they can use it down there in training. It's, been, it's being translated and printed even now in Kiswahili, the language of East Africa. So these books are being used and we're so happy that they are. Janet and I now live in Arusha, Tanzania. Arusha is a fairly big city. You wouldn't think so if you went there. It looks rather small, but there's probably a million people that live there. It has a uh, Pizza Hut restaurant. It has uh, hamburger places. It has a shopper's grocery store that we go to. Uh, so it has, you know, some amenities like that. But it's also a place to do government work that we have to do and get our permits and that sort of thing. But Janet and I now are no longer working at the school. I just this year got a what is called a retirement permit, which allows us to function just like we always have, except we can't do any job that is paid, any job that an African would get paid for. So I'm retired and yet it didn't change a thing, except make it easier for us to get permits. And Janet then will be a dependent of mine, so we'll both be retired and working just as hard as ever. So that's good. That's a good thing. So this is a little house we live in. It belongs to, it's a guest house, belongs to another missionary family. And it's two room, but it's plenty good for us. And we enjoy where we're staying. Um, we're working while we're here this year at Crowley's Ridge College. Crowley's Ridge College, uh, this is the third year we've been there. We teach in the fall. This uh, particular semester, we're teaching marriage and home. We're teaching an introduction to missions class. And we're teaching uh, spiritual formation in adolescence. So those are three classes we're teaching this year. And it's a joy for us to do that every year, be close to our grandchildren. We have 22 grandchildren, five children. And so 18 of those 22 grandchildren are within a six or seven hour drive from us here. So we can see them fairly often. And so that's nice for us to be able to do that. And then we go back and spend six months in Africa. Okay, this final picture is just a picture of joy. There are baptisms and churches being started all over Africa. And this is one on Mount Elgon. You can see the joy this girl has who's just been baptized in this muddy, muddy river. 
but her sins have been washed away and she's full of joy and what a, what a blessed thing that is. And that's what we're about, bringing people into the kingdom, strengthening the kingdom wherever we are. I want to thank you all so much because for many years now you have supported this work. And that's really what I want to talk to you more about now as, uh, as I finish this slide presentation. Um, you know, sometimes we, we think that God was really just concerned about the Jewish nation because much of the Old Testament was written for them, the laws and what they were doing, the history of the Jews, and that's what we think. But if you look through the scriptures, you see very quickly that God was concerned about all nations. Every nation was important to him. An example would be Jonah. All of us know the story of Jonah, sent to Nineveh to teach the Assyrians. And Jonah rebelled because he thought the gospel, well, not the gospel, but the word of God, or God himself, was only for the Jews. And God had to convince him that no, Jonah, I want all people to be saved. I counted through the scriptures recently, and I counted 86 different verses in scripture that tell us that God is concerned for all nations. And if you read your Bible and just make a point of listening to that, you'll see it. Even in the life of Jesus, look at all the examples of him and his ministry to people who were not Jews. The Samaritans, the Samaritan woman in John 4. The, uh, the Roman centurion who came to him wanting him to heal his servant. And Jesus said, yes, let's go. And he said, no, I'm not worthy. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus said, I've not seen that kind of faith even in Israel. God was concerned about all peoples everywhere. The scripture is full of that. Paul in his journeys was sent out by a church the Antioch church, Antioch of Syria. And they went out from that church, which was basically a Gentile church, having been started in Acts 11. By Acts 13, that church is strong enough to send them out, support them, to send them into Asia. And you know the work that Paul and Barnabas did, and then later Paul and Silas and others. And they went throughout Asia, and they went preaching the word, and churches were started. And they were persecuted. They were mistreated. They were imprisoned. They were stoned. They were put in stocks. They were uh, uh, shipwrecked. You know, Paul in 2 Corinthians 11 talks about all the things that happened to him. But he never stopped preaching because... When he was converted in Acts chapter 9, Jesus said to him, I have called you to be a special apostle to the Gentiles. And so he knew what his purpose was, and he was convicted to do that. And he went everywhere preaching. Even at the end of Acts, when he's sent to Rome to be in prison, and then when he wrote the book of Romans, you know, his desire was to go even to Spain and other places, go even further. He had already been to Europe, but he wanted to go even further preaching the gospel. So the apostles went all over the world, at least the known world. 
preaching the gospel. Countless Christians and evangelists and missionaries went throughout the world preaching because they understood God's purpose. You know, really we can define God's purpose. We could call it mission. Mission is God's desire that every person from every place, every language and tribe, be brought back to Him, reconciled to Him, God. Every nation. Revelation chapter 5 and chapter 7 talk about, in the end, all nations, all tribes, all tongues, all peoples will be together. God is concerned about everyone. So the mission of God has always been to bring everyone back to Himself. Missions is what you and I do. God's mission is to bring people back to Him. Missions is what the church is about. And we're failing. We're failing in that mission of God to do our part. Right now, if statistics are true, there's 7.9 billion people in the world. A third of those have never heard of Jesus, at least in terms of knowing who He is and what He's done and, and what His blessing is to them. Millions of people, billions of people are lost and we have the message. It is our obligation, our responsibility. One man said, it's not, uh, it's, it's, it's not just something that you can add on to the work of the church. It's not something that you can say, well, if we have time, we need to do the mission of God. That's who we are. That's who we are. When Jesus said in Matthew 28, go into all the world and teach the gospel to every creature, every person. Yes, he was talking to the apostles, but that message was for us. We are the church. I know that not everybody can be a missionary. Janet and I have been a privilege to be missionaries now for 49 years in Africa. Not everybody can do that. And that not everybody should do that. Not everybody is able to do that. But every single one of us has to be passionate about the mission of God. Yeah, we can't all go, but you better believe we can be saving people where we are. That is our business. That's who we are as the church. And if we're not doing that, shame on us. We need to wake up. I challenge you as a church here, you who are here tonight, I challenge you. This week, think of one person that you know that needs Jesus. It could be a workmate. It could be a family member. It could be a neighbor. It could be a schoolmate. Whoever it might be. I want you to be thinking of one person. And then I want you to pray for that person every day day and ask God open up a door of opportunity for me and help me walk through it be looking for a door be looking for a way to bring that person to Jesus they're dying without Jesus 
Sometimes we get, we get ashamed because we, we're afraid they will embarrass us by asking us hard questions. They're afraid, we're afraid that they will um, make fun of us or ridicule us. That's fine. Let them do it. What we're doing is planting the Word of God in their hearts. We're trying to bring them to Jesus. If they accept it, what a blessing for them. They'll be saved. If we don't tell them and they're lost, what a shame for us who have not told them. We, we, we can't stop. We can't rest. There is no rest. You know, sometimes I think Christians believe that church is coming on Sunday morning for a couple of hours, maybe Sunday night for an hour, and that is church. And we go home and we watch TV, and we do our everything, everyday things, and we forget who we are as the people of God. Wouldn't it be ashamed if we spend more time mowing our yards and watching TV and watching football and entertaining ourselves and going out to eat than we do about praying for the lost of this world. Wouldn't that be ashamed? In the end, when Jesus comes back, he's not going to ask us what kind of car you drove or what kind of salary you made or who won uh, the football game. He's not going to ask, you know, what kind of job you had. What he is going to ask is, did you obey the message of taking Jesus to the world? That's who we are, brothers and sisters. We're about the kingdom of God. God wants to redeem all people from every tribe and every nation. Thank God that we've been saved. Thank God that somebody told us the message of Jesus. We just, we absorb it, we, we enjoy it so much, we appreciate it. But are we telling somebody else? You know, if every one of the members of Valley View saved one person this year, you realize in one year you would double in number? That's just one person. The second year, you'd be four times as big. See how it multiplies when we're busy doing the work of God? We make it such a big task thinking we can never reach 7.9 billion people. But we can. We must catch the fire again that the apostles had in the New Testament and do that work. Well, I've said enough. I thank you so much for the time to be with you tonight. I know we're going to sing a song of encouragement. A couple of weeks ago, I was touched because, I guess it was Saturday a week ago, I learned that my older sister was in the hospital, had a stroke. It broke my heart. She was like a mother to me, and uh, I've always loved her special. Uh, as it turned out, she didn't have a stroke. She was in the hospital a couple of days, and I'm not exactly sure what she had, but she's home now and well, and I was so thankful. The same day, that very same weekend, I called a, a missionary friend of ours, in, uh, who'd been with us in Kenya. She had had colon cancer, and that was a year and a half ago, and she seemed to be okay. She went back to the doctor about two weeks ago. 
She had colon cancer again. Cancer was in her kidneys, in her lungs, um, in her stomach. It's all over her body. And I said to her, you must be devastated. You know what she said? She said, no, I'm not devastated. She said, it's a win-win situation for me. Win-win. If I pray and God heals me, hallelujah. That's a win. If I die and go to heaven, that's a win. No, I'm not devastated. Oh, that I could have that kind of faith. I'm not sure I do. We need to be telling people about Jesus because people are lost. You need to get strength yourself to be able to do that. Pray with me, if you will. Father in heaven, we come before you in prayer. Sometimes we wonder who you are. We wonder how can you as God just exist? How can you know all things and create all things just by the power of your voice? How is it that you will always be there? I guess we can accept that because we believe we will always live. But sometimes we, we wonder. But oh, we praise you. We, we understand that there's no God like you. A God of compassion and love. Who could give their son to die for me, a sinner? Who could give their son to die for a lost world, evil world, an idiomin? We don't understand it because it's hard for us to have that kind of love. Thank you, O oh God, for loving us like that. Thank you for giving us a chance to know you as Jesus Christ, as our Savior. Oh, we, we, we're just before you with humility, realizing what you've done for us. Help us this week to make note of those who need Jesus and share a word with them. I pray for everyone who is here tonight that you will touch them with this message of mission, the mission of God, to do what God wants us to do to bring people back to him. Help us, Father, to do that. Give us that strength. If there's someone here, Father, I pray that this message will touch them if they want to renew their dedication to you and be stronger than ever in the future. May they make that known tonight so that they can be prayed for and strengthened to do that work. Defeat Satan in our lives, Father. Defeat him, defeat him in his strength and power. And may we rise up in your strength to do your will. It's in the name of our precious Lord and Savior Jesus that we pray. Amen. Will you come as we stand and sing?